0: In light of all of the high-scoring games lately, I just want to shout out the man who would want to see 81 points broken the most, and that is The Bean, Kobe Bryant.
1: What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Deep 2 a basketball podcast where we talk the latest in the NBA. My name is Kiefer Mendoza, and today is January 27th, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Ryan Stanley. Ryan, how are you living today?
0: You've gotten really into making biscuits from scratch lately. And so oh yeah, uh, I woke up at like 7 a.m., whipped up some biscuits, whipped up some bacon, some eggs, um, had like a really good aged white cheddar on there, and it was just—I'm telling you—start your day off with a couple of those. I'm—I'm I'm slowly becoming that kind of dad because like I was like just firing up something funny to watch on the TV to go with these, and then the family's just gathered around, and I'm like, this is kind of the life. Um, yeah, this is—it's is pretty sweet, man.
1: All you need is a newspaper and like a crossword puzzle, <laughs> and you'll just Get a a recliner. Yeah, you'll have the whole stereotype down
0: I gotta be like snoring right in the middle of the living room so that everyone's like inconvenienced by me (laughs) And then I'll have the whole thing going As
1: the the kids say, I'm sure that you love this little life
0: Yeah Um, (laughs) That's great, dude, what's what's your Saturdays like now that you're married?
1: Dude, our Saturdays are very chill Um, If we're not you know, traveling and do, doing something, we usually try to just stay in or, uh, you know, today we're actually going to go see a movie. We're going to go see that new uh, kids movie Migration because it, it looks okay. really good. So, uh, um, yeah, we, we just try to do, do stuff that doesn't require much brain activity uh, because I think everyone everyone needs that every single week. And so Saturdays are typically yep. our days for that.
0: Dude, that's it's wonderful,
1: good. That's truly. Good. Uh, we're gonna hit up hit up some uh, a wing place afterwards. So, and this is the this is the epitome of you know getting older and doing stuff. We're going to see a movie at four p.m. and then <laughs> going to dinner right after that. So, this is not the days of uh midnight premieres anymore. Those are long gone.
0: I feel that you know when uh when we decided sort of as a group that we weren't going to go see the marvels. It was you know I missed it and maybe for like certain releases it'll be cool if it comes back you know Deadpool pull three those kinds of movies but like when i was just home on a thursday not thinking about how exhausted <laughs> i was gonna be the next day at work and not how like poor i was about to be i was just sitting there I was like this is kind of nice i can imagine this movie in my head
1: <laughs> it's coming out on disney plus soon all right so let's talk some nba stuff ryan so um we have a lot on the docket today. We're going to jump right in, and we're going to start with the um, really, really incredible scoring week that we've seen in the NBA. Okay, so um, it all started a couple nights ago when we had two games, um, and these, actually both all four of these games that we're going to talk about all happened in two nights. So the first night um, was a big night from Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, um, start with Joel who had 70 points um, in a game against the San Antonio Spurs? Victor Wembenyama. and um, scored 70, which was uh, a not only a career high for him, but also a 76ers franchise high. Um just in a really incredible performance and a win against, you know, a not a good team, but a, a an up-and-coming team with the best rookie in, in the league. So uh, did you have any specific thoughts as you were uh, looking back over this Joel and 70 piece game,
0: man? So this is the only one of the four, I guess, games that we can talk about where I watched the game from beginning to end, uh, which is a whole experience to see like the, the crowds in these games kind of realize what's going on and what they're witnessing. But uh, yeah, I mean the thing that was surprising about Joel's game was that he kind of had this one move, like he he didn't really go to the paint a whole lot which is probably a good move because like victor Wembanyama is actually really good at contesting shots at the rim um instead he kind of like did this move where he would just get to the free throw line and do like a weird little spin like sort of usually off of jeremy sohan and he would just hit this mid-range jumper and he probably did that for like 45 points like it was unreal um yeah, they clearly left him in, even though he, at one point, was barely making his way up and down the court. But they clearly left him in so that he would get to that 70-point mark. Um, it was, I mean, it was really special. I've uh, you know, I've been thinking about guys who could potentially get to 81 points one day, and I think Joel was in my like top two guys who's most likely to, uh, just because he has those nights where it's like, it, I don't even, it, it's like he's just too big and can get to his spots too quickly at the same time. And he can kind of shoot from anywhere. So, um, I mean, whether he's double teamed, whether you're like, no no matter what you do, if you're fighting over screens with him, it's crazy because like he can get somewhere where he has an advantage on you, no matter what kind of player you are. So I don't know. I think his high scoring games are like probably my favorite to see in the NBA. And it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch the other night.
1: I think the most incredible thing about it, um, it was a very, it was a pretty efficient game. Um, He shot over 50%. Uh, he also had 18 rebounds and five assists, uh, on the block, but, uh, the most incredible thing about it was he only shot two, three pointers in the, in the entire game, which is in this day and age, such a, a unique, uh, happening when, um, you have less than five, three shot, especially in a high scoring game, like he had, um, it was just a lot of, like you said, you know, from that foul line, those spins into, um, into easy layups or even just his, his nice little, a uh, very slow mid-range shot that nobody can seem to really do anything about. Um, you know, he's, he's out there looking like he's in slow motion. Yet, you know, guys can't guys can't stop it. And so, I just thought that was an interesting interesting stat that there was. He he shot two three pointers, only made one of them. So literally only one three pointer. The rest of them were uh, mid-range shots. And then obviously he does get a lot of foul calls. But I didn't think it was egregious in that game, um, where as in a lot of games it it, it typically is it just wasn't impressive. It was, it was an impressive, um, uh, showing out for, for Joel Embiid. And, um, the, the, <laughs> the funny, funniest part about it was on the same night we had Carl, Carl Anthony Towns score 62 in a game against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, now mind you, the Minnesota Timberwolves are in, they were in first place in the, in the West. Um, and then they played this, uh, like 10 and, Thirty six <laughs> Hornets team, um, Towns had a, a great game, you know for the most part, sixty two points, eight rebounds, two assists, but it also led to a loss to the Hornets, and so, um, I I don't know how much you've you've kind of gone back and, and and looked at this game, but uh, Cat had an incredible first three quarters, um, but then in the fourth quarter you could tell that um, just like you know, with with the 76ers and, and Joel Embiid, um, they were just feeding him the ball over and over again. But the difference was the 76ers always had control over that game against the Spurs, whereas the Timberwolves um, didn't. They it kept, it kept getting closer and closer. The Hornets were just, you know, they were staying in the fight despite being, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and at the end of it, we saw that it was just a lot of, undisciplined basketball that they could tell you could tell was just hey let's get cat to 70 you know uh just like the 76ers were getting mb to 70 um towns actually ended up being benched in the in clutch time (laughs) at the end because he had taken so many bad shots um and then there was some funny press conferences right after from um anthony edwards (laughs) his uh his whole quote was like yeah, we were we were just trying to get Towns the ball. Uh, we wanted to see him get you know his career high. We obviously we obviously lost, but he was like congrats to Big Cat for his career high. And then um, the T Wolves head coach Chris Finch uh, kind of went off, and he was saying how it was disgusting basketball, um, just not. It was very immature basketball, and uh, he he wasn't very impressed. It seems in that press conference about uh, Cat sixty two. Um, so what what is your take on it? Do you think? Do you, you think that this was one of those cases where it's like, you just got to feed the hot hand or um, are you more so on the side of they, they should have balanced it out a little bit more because, you know, when you look at the stats, he had a great game. He had a great efficient game, 21 of 35, 10 of 15 from three. Um, so what are your thoughts on this game?
0: So I said in our group chat the other day that I think every time you play one of these types of teams, like, if you play the Pistons, the Wizards, the Hornets, something like that, I think that you should always try to break the scoring record because that's just, it makes it way more fun and interesting because you would assume that your team's going to win. But <laughs> obviously, what happened here with the Timberwolves is they did not win. And as somebody who had a vested interest in Anthony Edwards scoring points that night because he was on my fantasy team, I was just sitting there and I remember at the end of the first quarter he had zero fantasy points and I was like how is this real like how how does he play a whole quarter like did he get hurt or something and then I checked and I was like I, I remember checking the box score I think maybe a minute into the second quarter and uh, Carl Anthony Towns had taken like 16 shots and Ant had taken like one shot i was like what is happening i think i texted you guys that it was like a like a my career game in 2k where like you just don't pass to anybody you just keep shooting over and over again so uh yeah um but that i think that's where i stand on it like you know you gotta make those kinds of games fun like you know kobe scored his 81 points against a really bad raptors team so you know if you're if you're gonna play those kinds of games like you might as well just uh you might as well just go for some kind of scoring record. But if your team is in jeopardy of losing because you're just chucking up shots, don't be, a, don't be surprised if you get benched.
1: I, I think along the same lines, you know, this is, they were, like I said, the number one seed in the, in the West They they have nothing to worry about against the Hornets. Um, I think the, the most unfortunate thing was that they, they lost and cat already has some negative media um, just in general. People just don't, people just like to hate on cat. Um, despite him being, you know, one of the most talented big men that we've seen, Uh, but people like to hate on him. And so scoring 62 in a loss for a lot of people, you know, may not be the same, uh, may not uh, garner the same uh, negative attention, but for Cat, it definitely put a damper on it. On top of the fact that it happened the same exact night as Joel Embiid, I um, and obviously, there's going to be comparisons there. Like, they both play this the you know, the big man, or they don't play center anymore, or Cat doesn't anymore, but they're both big men, um, they're both high scorers, and so there's obviously going to be comparison of how did Embiid do this and how did Cat do this, and why did Embiid's lead to a win and why did Cat's not. Um, and it, it's just, I just think it was unfortunate circumstances all around uh, for Carl Anthony Towns, but um, I uh, happened to watch like a, a recap of just his uh, missed shots after the third quarter, and it's pretty <laughs> rough, like, it's not just like, you know, he had some good high percentage shots because that's what Embiid shot all night were high percentage shots that even if he had missed them I would have been like yeah he should have taken those shots but with Carl Anthony Towns it was just flailing flailing around trying to get into um, into the paint and um, just you know they, they obviously knew that he was trying to go for for a high scoring game so they started to really muscle him up a little bit more and he just didn't really adjust very well. I feel like if he was able to adjust, um, then it would have been a different story. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> unfortunate game. You know, I'm all about I'm all about some you know going off against uh, against bad teams. And you know we're we're about to go see um, this Hornets team <laughs> in a couple mm-hmm. of days. So uh, maybe uh, maybe Jalen Brunson will be the next next guy to to hit sixty or seventy against the Hornets, um, and hopefully it will lead to a win for your sake
0: listen if we go and uh first of all i I would love to see him try to set some kind of scoring record against this Hornets team but if we go and they lose i'm going to be like (laughs) oh it's just one out of 82 games but i'm gonna be like distraught like i don't want my team to lose to the hornets after how good they've been lately (laughs) but i I do think it's funny that uh somebody i wish i could remember who said this but somebody uh did come out and say that carl anthony towns was aware in the third quarter of how many points Joel Embiid had because it, uh, the six, the Sixers game ended before the Hornets game did or the Timberwolves game. And uh so he was aware of that, which kind of makes all of the like crazy shots at the end that led to him getting benched even funnier. Cause it's like, that's what he was thinking is like, <laughs> he might not be able to beat Embiid in a one-on-one matchup like ever, but he could at least have more points on the night when Joel said his career high. So it kind of makes it funny.
1: (laughs) It's like, and this is a perfect parallel, but yesterday I was playing call of duty and um, I was, I was playing domination on shipment, you know, the smallest map in the game. And I was, I, I said to my friend who I was playing with at the time early in the game, I was like, I had like 14 kills in the first minute. And I was like, yo, I feel like I can get 60 here. And then um, I kept, I just kept racking up these kills. And then I was at like 98 at one point, or I was at like 80, 85 or something. And I was like, I can definitely get a hundred. There's like three minutes left. And so the, the way, the style in which I played that game was exactly like Carl Anthony Towns, except I actually did get to a hundred. Um, so, but I understand his, his drive in that, in those moments, I was just feeding for that hundred, hundred kills, just like he was feeding to, to beat Joel Embiid on that night. Um, all right, so uh, last night we had another big night of scoring. We had Devin Booker score 62 points in, in an unfortunate loss to the Indiana Pacers. Um, and then we also had Luka Doncic um, with probably the most um, impressive of all of these uh, games. He shot seven, or He scored 73 points um, off of 25 of 33 shots from the field, um, eight, 8 of 13 from 3, and then 15 of 16 for, uh, from the free throw line. So uh, with this Devin Booker game, we'll start with start here. Um, another one of those games where, unfortunately, they lost. Um, and this is to a Pacers team that is, is uh, pretty good. They just And we're going to get to their trade with Pascal Siakam um, and, and a few here. But uh, what are your thoughts on on this Devin Booker game and what you saw from him?
0: Man, everything, honestly, the, the thing that Devin Booker's game came down to is just that everything was falling for him. Um, I think he hit six three-pointers, which was a career high for him during that game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the the Pacers are basically the worst defensive team in the NBA. Uh, opposing guards have been having just career years against them. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's just that kind of like perfect matchup. And then uh, the other thing that kind of matters in this is that um, if the other team can still put up points while your guy is going for like some kind of crazy career high record, um, it, it keeps the game interesting because you know they're not going to bench them and the Pacers obviously kept up because they ended up winning and so uh, the Suns just kept Devin Booker in and that, that three just kept falling uh, he was kind of getting whatever he wanted to as good as Tyrese Halliburton is he is essentially just like a revolving door on defense for opposing guards um, and so it was just like a it was it was like watching like an all-star game if you replace several of the all-stars with like Obi top and, and like you don't want to not be in people like that.
1: Honestly, um I wa- I didn't watch last night's Suns Pacers game, but I did watch the Suns at Mavericks game uh the other night um which was obviously Devin Booker versus Luca it was part of this whole um NBA rivalry week that they were doing. Um and honestly, I think even though he only scored 46 against the Mavericks, I feel like that game to me was more impressive uh because of obviously 62 points. I'm not discounting that at all, but in that Mavericks game, he shot 17 for 23, only missed six shots, um, total. And he just, it just looked like there was literally nothing that he could not do, um, in in those, in, in this game. And it it also kind of translated in last night's game as well. Um, obviously he scored, you know, almost 20 more points. Uh, but yeah, Devin Booker's just, he's just been going off, man. I just, I just am looking through his, um, his stats from the past couple of weeks and just a lot of big games. He had a, he had a 50 point game, a couple uh, like last week. And so I just think that um, he's, he's just very locked in offensively. You know, we've, we've seen high scoring games from him before, but I feel like we're seeing a whole different um, unlocked version of him. uh, Now that he has obviously Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal on his team, Um, you know, Kevin Durant himself is going to, is going to garner a lot of attention And so D book is able to take advantage of that. And we saw that last night. Um, It's just that, like you said, I think we talked about this in the early, in the early part of the season with the Pacers, even before they got Siakam is that even though they're one of the worst defensive teams, they are going to put up points. Uh, They are going to, uh, I think they're, I think um, I saw JJ Reddick talk about this, but they're uh, Tyrese Halliburton's like number one in in transition assists or, or uh, points created off transition. Um, so they're just a fast paced team that's going to put up points on you. And that's exactly what they did to beat the Suns team. Um, and that's exactly what they're going to do to be successful, because like you said, there's no real uh, defensive presence other than maybe Miles Turner on that team. And I will
0: say too, just uh, one one final point just to keep track of uh, Devin Booker is still winless in games when he scores 60 or more points. Mm. I think he's like, oh, that's or a crazy like stat. That. I didn't
1: know that. Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: I feel like we referenced wow. that one other time on this pod because I, I remember talking to somebody about it, but, um, he's like Owen three or and four or something like that. So.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. That, I feel like that's going to be used, used against him at some point.
0: <laughs> some some 13 year old is going to make a video one day trying to disparage Devin Booker's legacy. <laughs> he
1: never won in any of these games. Oh, I can definitely see it. Um, all right. So, so Luca, like I said, he had an incredible game. Um, super good efficiency only missed eight shots the entire night and, and shot 33 times um he they, they won against the hawks and this is just a poetic game in my opinion you know he play he did this against the team that that traded him um for trey young and so um any any takeaways from from Lucas game or even just what you're seeing from him this season
0: uh, my first takeaway was that grant williams had nine points in this game um which may not mean anything to anyone, but all I can think is, why couldn't those nine points have just gone to Luca? Like, <laughs> we're just talking about a handful of shots here from Grant Williams. If you just cut those out of out of what happened last night, we would have a new second most points of all time in the league. Which I think Lucas seventy three is tied for the third most. Is that right? Yeah,
1: I think so. Yep, yep. Okay, tied for fourth. I think it's like yeah, tied for fourth. Yeah.
0: Okay, fourth. I know, I know it's, like, a several-way tie, though. Like, I think Wilt's done it, like, three times or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's crazy, man. It was very poetic to, you know, it, just like the Cat and Embiid thing, those two guys being rivals um, and having those games on the same night. It's so crazy to see Luca and Devin Booker have, like, those kinds of high-scoring nights at the same time. And Luca just continues to, like, win this troll battle with, uh, with Devin Booker, just upstaging him a little bit. Um, But man, when he when he gets going, like, there's just nothing that stops Luca. It doesn't even look like it doesn't even look like good basketball. It's just like a like a wrecking ball that is somehow a little bit beautiful, just kind of plowing into the paint and then just tossing up like. It's like he he looks like very clumsy, like bull in a china shop like at times during these games. And then he'll just throw up like the most majestic, just slow falling floater you've ever seen. And and he just, just has these nights where everything's just fallen for him. And it's like it's like he just taps into a different gear and becomes unstoppable. Um it was it was very similar in my mind to the Embiid game where it reached a point where Outside of Tim Hardaway Jr., everyone on the team was just giving the ball to Luca and just clearing out. Um, it, it definitely reached a point where he wanted to get that scoring record and everybody in the building wanted him to get it too. Um, but you had all the classics. You had Tim Hardaway Jr. taking contested threes in the fourth quarter for no reason. You had, uh, you had Trey Young, who was not having an amazing game, and obviously his team was trailing by double digits, but – uh, every time Trey Young hit a shot, he would like mean mug the cameras and stuff. And it's like, buddy, come on! Like your entire legacy in the draft is being evaluated in real time right now. <laughs> so, uh, it was just uh it, there was a lot of poetic stuff, like you said, going on during this game, and uh, it was it was a heck of a lot of fun to watch because uh, when when Luca's playing like that, man, I mean, it's just it's beautiful offensive basketball.
1: Who is? and we'll kind of end this conversation here but who is the next person to score 70 plus
0: the It's going to happen person. this season.
1: There's no there's no way. We had we had two in a week. Who's the next person? Yeah.
0: It'll probably happen again before the All-Star break cuz a couple of these guys were I think motivated by trying to get into the All-Star game. Um I actually thought about this earlier in my first 3 choices were three of the four guys who already did it this week <laughs> like i could see Luca, Embiid, or booker doing it again in the near future um one thought that i had this is a deeply unserious take but one thought i had was uh that now that other people have been doing this it's going to cross lebron's mind that he hasn't done something <laughs> like this before <laughs> and we're gonna see like a 40 shot lebron game in the next couple weeks <laughs> Um. Outside of that, like, I don't see like a KD or a Steph doing this. I could see Giannis on a certain night. I feel like that's like the boring choice, but I could see Giannis on on a night against like, like if they were playing like the Wizards or something, where he could just like blow by Kyle Kuzma for like a quick, <laughs> like he gets like twenty five points in the first quarter, and then it's like okay, we're doing this. Um. So that that'd probably be my picks by Giannis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could see him. Mean, he 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 had. What that sixty two, sixty three at the beginning of the season, yeah, um, the the uh, infamous infamous uh, Oscar Tashiboy game or whatever his name is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could see. Uh, I was thinking Donovan Mitchell as well. You know, we saw him with seventy one last yeah. last season, um, and the Cavs right now are rolling. Um, he also doesn't have Darius Garland or Evan Mobley. I don't know what their timeline is to come back, but. I could see him having a big game sometime soon. Cause we know that he's capable of it. And that offense is really just dependent on him right now. Let's uh, let's move on and talk about the Pascal Siakam acquisition um, on the uh, Indiana Pacers. So uh, he has played now five games with the Pacers um, after leaving Toronto. The first three games were actually um, somewhat disappointing for, for the Pacers. You know, they, they, Made this big move, and they actually they had three losses right after um, he started playing for them. Uh, but the past two games, they've had two really good wins against. Uh, two really good teams and so on Thursday they played against the 76ers and one um, Pascal Siakam had a triple double 26 13 and 10 and then last night they uh, like we like we've referenced they've talked they've played they played against the suns um, where he had a 31 point game um, in a win against them uh, both of these games were decided by two points um, the Suns, were one he they won 133 to 131 and then Philadelphia they won 134. Uh, sorry, no, this was actually a 12 point game, 134 or 122. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this Siakam trade? Um, do you like it for the Pacers? Do you think that this is what uh, elevates them um, going into the second half of the season?
0: I think that it definitely raises the basement of this team. Like, I, I think that, you know, they're certainly capable of, of beating teams more consistently on a night to night basis. But I don't think their ceiling is drastically higher. Um, my immediate thoughts just that Siakam brings like a real second option to this team. Like it before, I mean, it was you know maybe Obi Toppin will have twenty points this night. Maybe Bruce Brown you know can give you something. Uh, maybe Buddy Healed can hit two or three threes. But now you have like a like a real second option, and it's not just contingent on like like you're not waiting on somebody to step up to to help you win. Um, there is a, a real bona fide all star player on your team who can who can always be that option for you um and siakam you know i've said before he is just one of the more terrifying guys to have on the other team because he's like 80 percent better than i think most people think he is in their head it's like i mean if he's open he's knocking down a three he can attack the basket hard um he doesn't give them a whole lot on the defensive end um i mean he's definitely an upgrade over i guess he's taking the ob top in minutes there um but like I said, I mean, he provides consistency for a team that's been up and down all year. The highs have been really high for this Pacers team. But, I mean, they could also lose to any team by 40 points on any given night. And I think that that basement has risen um, to where, you know, like we've seen since this trade. I mean, they can uh, clearly be in every basketball game throughout the rest of the year. I don't think it's, this pushes them much higher in the playoff standings, though. Um I still think that the Pacers are probably like in that 5-6 range in the East. Um, but, you know, they they are a tougher team to play now. Um, they really didn't give up a whole lot. I mean, just Bruce Brown and I think a first-round pick. Um, and honestly, too, for the Raptors, I mean, I think the, the Raptors are officially a fun team. I'm, I'm ready to label them a fun team now. So, Because, uh, you know, before it was like, you know, you had you had the barbecue lineup of, of Barnes, Barrett, and uh, Quickly. And, you know, you had like the, the Grady Dick minutes thrown in there. You had like a little bit of like a little bit of everything that you could watch and, and love about that Raptors team. And then it was like, oh, yeah, Pascal Siakam's on this team, too. And he's going to take like 15 shots. Uh, so you get rid of that. Uh, the Raptors are officially just a fun young team. They're like the, the OKC Thunder of the North, and I'm uh, I'm also excited to watch them for the rest of the year.
1: I'm always just kind of thinking about what, what it's going to look like in the playoffs, and obviously, you know, in a playoff series, uh, teams learn how to adjust, you know, good teams learn how to adjust to the different offenses that you throw at them, and so adding Siakam into this mix, you know, for, for many years, um, uh, post-Kawhi, pe- teams were when it came to the Raptors, teams were trying to figure out how to halt Pascal Siakam himself, right? And so now he's, you know, he's a second option on this Pacers team, uh, whereas teams are already trying to figure out Tyrese Halliburton and how to stop him. And so now you throw this other offensive juggernaut um, into this team, and um, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a a fight for any team that has to face them in the playoffs. But um, when it comes down to it, I think one of the probably more important than, the offensive schemes in the playoffs are the defensive schemes. And so um, Pascal Siakam is not a bad defender by any means. Um, He's just not necessarily, you know, a great defender. You know, he's, he's someone that, you know, is definitely an improvement from what they have had when it comes to that, you know, three, four position who can guard, you know, you think about the, the Jason Tatums of the world and um, uh, you know, all these, all these wings that they're going to come up against. Um, And I feel like the, the addition of Pascal Siakam is, is is better, they're better off than, you know, with Obi Toppin or, or any of the other, their other guys that were already there. So um, it's it's definitely an improvement, but I'm, I'm not sure how much I see as far as, you know, are they going, to, is this going to carry them past the second round in the playoffs? Um, I'm not super confident in that, but, um, the, you know, they made a good move. They, they only, they gave up Bruce Brown and I think Two first round picks, so they didn't just throw a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff at, at Pascal Siak or at the Raptors um, and, and get nothing. So um, I like the move for them overall. All right, before we jump to our last topic today, let's talk about the Bucks firing of Adrian Griffin um, after winning fifty games, <laughs> and uh, not fifty games after winning whatever whatever their record was, um, very pretty good, and then uh, hiring Doc Rivers. Um, Ryan, is this a, What I'm curious as to what your thoughts on this move was. Um, obviously, you know, they, they uh, definitely probably made an, an, an upgrade here, but do you think it was very necessary or do you think this was kind of just one of those, you know, <laughs> there was something beyond, behind the scenes going on with Adrian Griffin?
0: Like the fact that the Bucks were the two seed in the East when they fired their head coach, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like not a lot of people are saying anything about how ridiculous that is. Um, I don't, there had to have been something going on. Um, I think that a lot of people have been disappointed in the way that Dame has been used. Um, You know, Dame, like I think him and Giannis only average like, like in the single digits now of, of pick and rolls per game, which is not what you would imagine when you imagine Dame and, and Giannis on the same team um the offensive efficiency hasn't been great the defense has gotten significantly worse from last year and i don't think that that just has to do with the loss of drew holiday but this team i mean uh you know you look around the board like uh brooke lopez was a finalist for defensive player of the year last year and averaged two blocks a game and now he averages like 0.6 blocks a game like defensively this team has gotten worse all around not just at, at the guard position um so i think that they you know we're seeing a lack of adjustments from adrian griffin which is the same problem that they had with coach bud before him so they choose to bring in like <laughs> probably the coach who's the worst at making in-game adjustments and that's uh doc rivers <laughs> who has you know won a title he does know basketball um, i have been enjoying listening to him on podcast the last few months and, and hearing him calling games with mike breen um but they're bringing in a guy who has struggled in the playoffs, you know, um, just as Coach Bud has these last couple years. A guy who doesn't make a lot of adjustments. Uh, he's a hard-nosed, like, kind of defense-first coach. So that'll be interesting to see here. Um, but I don't know. Like, there's a lot of worlds where this Bucks team, you know, improves significantly from having Doc Rivers as their coach. But come playoff time, I don't know if this is enough to really do anything different. Like, I still see the Bucks as – probably like a second round out playoff team once teams can play them on a night to night basis.
1: Um, going back to one of the first things you said, talking about the the usage of Dame and in, in the pick and roll. Um, I can't remember who I was listening to talk about this, but um, I feel like I, I feel like it's it's more of a that that issue in particular is more of a Giannis uh, problem, if you want to call it that, where, you know, Giannis isn't. Isn't the most eager to to run the pick and roll with Damian Lillard, <laughs> you know, and uh, you don't see that a lot. He's not. It's not like, it's not there for him. Um, but it's it's him just choosing not to necessarily do that. It's either Dame is going to cook and Giannis will be there to to uh, recover any any rebounds and then you know dominate in the paint, um, or he or Giannis himself is going to bring up the ball and and do what he's been doing for the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this this. This firing is kind of weird, but I also think about, um, and so I, I saw this the other day after that, after the the hiring happened of, of Doc Rivers. And <clears throat> I think about how in the 2016 season, um, the Cavs were also, I believe, the second seed in the East at the time, and they fired David Blatt and hired Tyron Lue, And then you know, you, we all know what happens in the 2016 finals they they come in and, and win, uh, they, they come back from a 3 1 lead. And so um, I feel like. There's a little bit of this of that in in this whole situation where uh, the Bucks organization and the Bucks players kind of understand what they have, you know, the the talent that they have, and they just realized that Adrian Griffin wouldn't be, you know, he he was he's good enough of a coach to have gotten them to this position, but as far as into the the playoffs, you know, he he wasn't their guy. The funny part is is exactly what you said that Doc Rivers was their guy and they've paid him up until 2027 with a $40 million contract, which is absolutely insane. (laughs) Like this man has won one, one NBA finals in in his, you know, whatever 20 year career as a, as a uh, NBA head coach and is uh, infamous for his playoff disappointments. Um, But, you know, maybe this will be different. Uh, Giannis is probably, you know the best player that he's coached. If you're, if you're, if we're all confident in saying that Giannis is better than Joel Embiid, um, or even like prime Chris Paul, which I feel pretty confident in saying that. So, um, you know, could be a different story. Maybe this is what rewrites, um, what rewrites, uh, Doc Rivers' legacy as as a coach, um, and you know maybe this is the best move. But yeah, I just thought it was a a weird pickup a weird a weird firing <laughs> you know it's a it i feel bad for adrian griffin um but maybe he'll maybe he'll land another coaching job at some other point another team is going to look at him like hey you went 30 and 14 with, <laughs> with with a team and so uh maybe we should pick you up the wizards they just fired their coach you know so <laughs> who knows
0: <laughs> yeah uh, one thing I, I will say and i was just kind of doing the the case in my head but i uh, do want to shout out to uh some Malden high School's zone, Kevin Garnett, who has also mm, also played yeah. for doc rivers, but I would still at the point in their careers. When doc had all these players, I would probably put Giannis right now at the top. Um, it is kind of interesting because, you know, Adrian Griffin was his guy. He was, you know, Giannis was hinting at leaving, um, in the near future. And so they went on and got Adrian Griffin, who Giannis had a relationship with, uh, fired him before the all-star break of his first year as the coach. And, uh, you know now they're they're supposedly looking into trading Thanasis, um, which you know I hope he lands somewhere because I need more videos of him <laughs> just just doing things on a basketball court or near a basketball court. But uh, <laughs> you know there, there's a lot going on right now that kind of makes you wonder about the future of the Bucks because uh, you know bringing in Doc is is such a odd move. Um, supposedly he was at odds with several Bucks players and and there was some opposition. To his hiring and uh you know now all the the things that you have in place to keep you happy seem to be going by the wayside uh it does i mean i hate to play like the offseason speculation game but like you have to start thinking about it like you know do they blow this up like does dame get traded again next off-season, and then they move on from Giannis? so um you'd have to probably default to thinking that that's not going to happen but it like there's like a ten percent chance that that happens.
1: We've talked about Giannis a lot, and just, um, you know, how he's kind of developed this, this sort of, uh, you know, I am the aggressive star. Uh, I'm gonna run things how I want to, how how I want to run things. And so, uh, it's interesting to see this play out, you know, before our eyes. Whereas before, it was kind of like, oh, Giannis is the nice guy. Just go with the flow. Loyal to to you know, a fault, but you know, now we're seeing that he's going to, he, he'll, he'll leave if he wants to, and he can, he can make the demands that he, that he wants to. But, um, my favorite, my favorite Thanasis video, which, you know, they, there's so many to choose from, but I saw one last night where, um, I think it was against the Cavs, um, a couple nights ago where the Bucks were already, the game was already decided. The Bucks were already up. And, um, Phanasis goes for a block and um, gets called for a foul. And there's literally maybe 40 seconds left in this game and they're up, you know, there's, it's inconsequential and he's just demanding that they replay, <laughs> replay the play so that he can not get a, a foul. Call for it. <laughs> he just didn't want his box score to be like 12 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, one foul.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like oh. a, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about here, but have you ever heard of Club Trillion? No, I haven't. So Club Trillion's a uh it's like a society, it's front about Mark Titus, it used to be a Titus and Tate basketball podcast. Um so it's like a it's like a society of guys who play on basketball teams, but you only get in for the one minute of your last game of your senior year. And so your stat line is one and then like a bunch of zeros, and so it's called Club Trillion but uh, Thanasis is is trying to form his own version of that, but it's with one personal foul.
1: And just give me some, just inject Thanasis highlights into my, uh, or lowlights, just anything. They're all (laughs) lowlights.
0: Like that one of him mimicking that guy shooting, (laughs) but he's on the side. He's like a little kid on the (laughs) sidelines.
1: That was his best moment I'll see. All right, let's jump into our last topic of the day, which is the all-star starters. So we're going to go over the starters and then our thoughts over them, and then also predict our um, our reserves, who else is going to fill in um, this roster. And so um, in the West, we have LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, um, Jokic, and Kevin Durant as our West starters. And then in the East, we have... Um, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, uh, Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum. So, Ryan, um, let's start. Let's start with the West. Um, are there any any of these that surprised you? That you feel like you would have switched out for?
0: Um, I think that this is the year where the name recognition of the past uh, era of basketball is starting to wreak havoc on our all-star games and i've been really good about not saying anything so i'll just wait till we get to the east but uh you know i i don't think that lebron or kd should have been starters this year um that may be an unpopular take to those who don't watch basketball but it is just the truth i mean they're not the best players on their own teams right now like Devin Booker and Anthony Davis should have been starters. And these two guys should not have been starters. Obviously it's hard to get Devin Booker in there because he's the guard. And I think Luca and SGA deserve it, but you kind of get the the gist that I'm going for here is that, you know, uh, if there was a son and in, in an all-star starting spot, I would rather it be Devin Booker than Katie. Um, that being said, you know, or LeBron and KD are both deserving of being all-stars. Um, do you, are we? Do you want to run down our reserves for the West right now, or? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so for reserves, I put uh, I put of course eighty uh, and and Booker. Then for the other five spots, I had uh, Anthony Edwards, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I went James Harden. I felt you know I felt like the Clippers needed to, and I felt like Harden was having a good year. Um, I didn't want to put Paul George in there. I didn't want to give him three, but uh, you know, two felt good. Demontis Sabonis. Um, Kind of just want one king in there, so I want Savonis. Yeah, and then I, I wrapped it up actually with Cat because I I just couldn't imagine um, only having one Timberwolf. Uh, I thought Cat's been having an awesome year, and my honorable mention, um, if somebody were to get injured, is actually Wimby. I thought Wimby's having an amazing Ooh, year. Okay. Um. Yeah. He, he's up to like twenty points and eleven rebounds a game, and he's playing some of the best defense in the NBA. So, um, even though the Spurs have been super bad, I thought Wimby deserved a shout out.
1: That's solid. Um, so, my thoughts on the starters. I think, um, I think I I completely agree. Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Um, they're definitely just there for for the name recognition. Uh, I think I would have replaced at least one of them with Kawhi Leonard um, because if you if you look at his season, it's just been it's just been you know one of his best seasons statistically, and the Clippers are winning. Um, I think that's the main one. I probably would take LeBron out if I were to take you know, one of LeBron or Kevin Durant, take LeBron out, put Kawhi in, uh, but (laughs) LeBron's in year 20. They're not going (laughs) to not make him a starter and especially make him the captain. You know, naturally he's, he's, he's currently the worst out of all those guys, you know, performing the worst, but he's going to be the captain because, um, they're not going to make Luca the captain. Uh, so yeah, that was my main thing with the starters. I would, I would probably put Kawhi in there. Um, my reserves and I had to go, cause I know that they have a specific, like, uh, structure of like guards and forwards and then some wild cards. Uh, but I had Steph Curry, um, Anthony Edwards, uh, Kawhi, obviously cause I would have put him in the starting lineup Kawhi in the forward. Uh, I also had Paul George in here. Mm. Um, because I think the Clippers success is, is, you know, something that I'm, I'm really looking at as far as, uh, what's swaying me. Um, I've seen a lot of people, uh, put Rudy Gobert in here, uh, (laughs) being, uh, being, you know, one of the best defensive, uh, or the best defensive player and, and leading the Timberwolves to the number one defense in the league. Uh, but I'm I'm not going to, I would put Anthony Davis in there. And then for my two wild cards, um, I actually was going on the, on the side of De'Aaron Fox as, as my one King. Um, and then, uh, on my, on my long list, uh, DeMontis Sabonis was on there as well, um, but I would probably—I actually had—I actually had, I actually had uh, either Chet or Wemby in here, uh, but now looking at it, I think—I mean—I I don't know how I would go with Rudy go, go with Chet or Wemby over Rudy Gobert with these guys, um, because I think that what he's doing is a little bit more, you know, contrib, uh, more of a contribution to winning. So yeah, I think that's—I'll probably stick with Gobert in in that position.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely, like, this the first time where I think a lot of people are going to have to think about, like, the situations the teams are in when they're thinking about All-Stars because, you know, it's like I I said several times when I was going through my reserves, like, there's some teams that you feel like deserve two, and and most teams don't deserve three. So as much as, like, I hate to, like, take away from somebody, I mean, at some point, if you're the third option on a team, and you have pretty solid stats, but like the first option on another team has great stats. Like you have to take that into consideration. Um, but you know, a lot of the ways that you went, like Paul George instead of James Harden, like that's kind of a toss up, it's like a preference thing. Uh, go bear instead of Carl Anthony Towns, Fox instead of Sabonis. That's like I think we were clearly thinking the same way. It's like the Kings deserve one, the Clippers deserve two, that kind of thing, but it's like they definitely don't deserve like three all stars. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that we both landed that way, but
1: uh. yeah, I feel like I feel like Cat now has more of a uh, more of a chance because of his big game. Uh, that that is like what you said earlier. Uh, uh, guys fighting for for all star nods, so you know I could definitely see him uh, taking that spot over Rudy, and Rudy doesn't have a lot of love in the media anyway. So, all right, let's jump to the East. So I'll say the starters again um, at guard. We have Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard. Mm. Um, and then our forwards are Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Um, so, I don't know. Is there any uh, obvious <laughs> snubs here? I mean, I, I can't. I can't really think of any. I, I, I really... doubt you have any.
0: Yeah, I was really. <laughs> I, I was expecting Jared Allen to uh, wait. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, uh, it's a. The fact that we've probably made it like an hour into this podcast without me addressing mm-hmm. the thing that I've thought about nonstop for two days is is really a testament to me and my patience. But I can't believe you, it, man. <laughs> I feel like I feel like most listeners to this pod don't need to know how I feel. But uh yeah, I I don't know why, but like if Donovan Mitchell had been the other starter, I would have kind of been okay with it. Um maybe not Tyree Maxey, but he's he would still be better than Damian Lillard, but like I don't know, like Jalen, like I'll just say this: Jalen Brunson just been more efficient, has better stats. I mean, means more to his team. Is the first option and not the second option. Um, I don't know. Like it's just a name recognition thing. And and as much as I like Dame, uh, I did kind of think back to you know I've I've often said that Damian Lillard is like the Carmelo Anthony of the current generation, where it's like you know cool name cool shoes you know cool jerseys to like buy um like people people like the guy a lot you know super good fun offensive player big moments clutch like performances all that kind of stuff very similar players um but yeah so like as i was thinking through that i started thinking through carmelo's last couple all-star starts in 2016 and 17 And he honestly did not deserve to be a starter those years. I remember being surprised the last time he was a starter, just that he was like, like even like a shoe in to be an all-star that year. Um, I started looking at the other forwards around that era and uh, you know, kind of ironically, the guys who missed out on their potential first ever all-star starts because of Carmelo were Jimmy Butler and DeMar DeRozan. And uh, I just started thinking about that. And I was like, those guys, those guys were probably more deserving. And they were like, they meant more to their teams, like all this stuff they're playing, winning basketball. Um, but Garmelo had the name recognition. And that's what a lot of this comes down to, you know, uh, Brunson and, and Lillard tied in the vote and it came down to the fan vote. So uh, it is what it is. It's it's that kind of thing. So I'm just happy that he'll at least make his first all-star game. That was my only snub um, in the East starters. I put from for my reserves. Um, I had Jalen Brown. I had, uh, of course, Jalen Brunson, um, Tyrese Maxey, and Donovan Mitchell. I didn't really think about like the rules of what the reserves have to be, so I'm sorry. <laughs> this probably, it, it'll it'll work out. It'll probably <laughs> there's no I feel like there's not really any rules. It'll work out somehow. Um, so Brown, Brunson, Maxey, Mitchell. I also had, uh, of course, Julius Randle um, mm. as one of my. I was
1: wondering if he was going to squeeze in there for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of ambiguity. Um <laughs> he's at like 24 and 9 on the year. I mean, I feel like he's he should be a lock. Um Scotty Barnes made it in. Uh I've really mm, liked the year yeah. Scotty Barnes has had. And then for my last spot, I really kind of agonized over it cuz um I didn't want to put Jimmy in because Jimmy's missed just so much time. Um I didn't want to put any Celtics players in because I already gave them two and you know. <laughs> The Derek White discourse has shoved me away from Oh my more, more goodness. <laughs> so uh I actually went bam out of bio for my last spot. There you go. Yeah. Um yeah, the heat have been really good. He's been honestly the best player on the team this year, playing great defense as well. Um, really efficient offense. So that's my that's my reserves.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love it. We have a lot of the same ones. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Jalen Brunson was one hundred percent deserving of being a start a starter. Um yeah. Like the Damian Lillard thing is just, it's just wild to me, you know, that, that out of all the guys, if Steph Curry was over here in the East, that would be a whole different story. You know, I, I would, I would understand a little bit more, but, um, I, you know, they're just paying, paying their respects um, to Dame, I guess. Um, but for my reserves. So, um, at, at the guards, I have same thing, uh, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell. I feel like those are pretty, those are two of like, uh, as far as the reserves go, pretty unarguable, uh, choices. Um, and then in my, uh, in my front court, uh, guys, I have, I also had Bam. Um, I thought about, uh, uh, Julius Randall and, um, and obviously, like you said, the Celtics discourse is, is, you know, telling us that Chris Stops should, should be in there. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to put, put either of those guys in there, although respect to, um, to both of them. Um, but I had, like I said, Bam, um, Scotty Barnes was also on my list. Um, and then I was all, I'm, I'm going to put in Jimmy there. Um, and that might just be a Homer pick, uh, cause I love Jimmy and he, I, I agree. He hasn't played, uh, nearly as many games as, as any, any of these other guys, but I think he's, I think he's, uh, he's played somewhere between 20, 21 to like 27 games. And in those games, he's still, you know, he's still contributing to, uh, to good basketball and, and, and winning. And so I gave the heat to all-stars. I have uh, Jalen Brunson as, or not, sorry, Jalen Brown as my other guy there. um, Because I feel like even though um, Tatum's obviously the the driving force behind that team, I can't, if I'm going to give the Clippers two, I have to give the Celtics two. There's, there's no arguing there. Um, And then for the two wild cards, I had Tyrese Maxey and Trey Young. Um, Trey young is, is one of those that it's hard to give him a, a nod every single year because his team is like always bad at this time. They always kind of come back around and, you know, somehow land like the, one of the bottom seeds in the playoffs. But, um, at the middle of the season, the Hawks are always like the 10 or 11 seed. Uh, but yet Trey young is, you know, he's always putting up like 29 points and, and 10 assists. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give the nod to Trey young again.
0: That's a, that's a strong list. um, I, I'm glad we are in agreement that Kristaps should not be an all-star. Uh, also missed a ton of time, by the way. But I don't, I don't fault you for the Jimmy take. That's that's you know, you got to do that. Um, it's very similar to my Julius Randle take, except like eight less points a game. But whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I get it. He he is like, yeah, the Heat are a good team, and he is a really good player. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have any notes other than that. Uh, it is interesting the players that we both left off like pascal siakam and i left off steph curry i think did you have him as a reserve in the west yeah yeah i did yeah so well never mind so it is interesting that i left steph curry i I really had a whole it. thing there but I was like wait no you <laughs> had him didn't you um yeah so. i also
1: think i might have left off devin booker which i didn't mean to um now i'm looking at my my thing i'll, I'll have to I think I'll have to take off uh, <laughs> one of my one of my other guys for for Devin Booker. Maybe I'll take off. Maybe I'll I'll nix Rudy Gobert there and <laughs> put Devin Booker in.
0: <laughs> That's probably a wise choice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, we'll see. You know, I, I could see, I could see this going um, in in a ton of different ways as far as the guys that we've left off. Um, like you mentioned earlier, the Derek White talk for All Star is just, I just. I think that I would throw a riot if Derek White got a got an all-star nod. And, and I understand I'm not I'm not discounting his contribution, but he's the he's the fourth best player on a on the number one seed um, in a in a conference where there are so many guys you can choose from. I feel like there's just in my mind, there's no real argument for it. Uh, but he might sneak his way in there, man. They might they might just show some show some hate to like Tyrese Maxey, who's never been yeah. an All Star before. <laughs> throw Derek White in there.
0: That'd be a very well. I guess the the coaches pick the reserves, right? So yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'd be okay if Tyrese or if uh, Derek White made it in. If a couple guys could not be there, just sort of like a yeah uh, yeah you know one of those situations like as a reserve. Um, and obviously of course, if Chris stops, didn't make it. Cause if, if the Celtics have four all-stars, I mean like, you know, the, first of all, I don't think a team should ever have four all-stars, including the, the Hawks from a few years ago, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, and the fact that people have been sort of clamoring for it since like the second week of the season is just super annoying. Um, uh, I do have one question for you. So a coworker of mine brought this up, um, they asked, you know, how long will LeBron be an all-star starter? And my first thought was, like, well, he'll at least be a starter his last year in the league because LeBron's going to make it known that it's his last year. And he's going to be sort of, like, named a starter, you know, for the same reasons that, like, Dwyane Wade and some many other guys have been in the past. So do you think, like... You know, could you see LeBron being a starter next year? Do you think that this might be the end of of Captain LeBron? Mm.
1: I think as soon as he stops averaging more than 20 points, he'll stop being a starter, which I don't know if he will do. Like, I could see him averaging 25 for the rest of his career. So but I think that's the only I think once people see like nineteen points next to his name, they're gonna be like, Okay, maybe we should slow down on this. But seeing twenty four, twenty-five, you know, it's you know, people are just gonna be like, Okay, we can we can give him the nod. But I they would do some dumb stuff like, you know, he's a reserve, but he's still the captain of the team. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that that's just something that the NBA would do.
0: Or like somebody who is a starter would like for some reason mysteriously bow out of the All Star yeah. game. <laughs> You know, it'll be like a couple of years from now, and it's like I i guess Anthony Edwards is a guard, I was gonna use him as my example. Um, but it's like a couple of years from now, and it's like you know, uh, I don't know, like Kawhi Leonard mysteriously tore his meniscus last <laughs> week, and LeBron's a starter now, so
1: they pay Rudy Gobert to come and injure Kawhi Leonard <laughs> so that LeBron can be a starter.
0: Oh, <laughs> All the starters have COVID, so uh, it's gonna be LeBron <laughs> and Chris Paul and D Wade and Carmelo. <laughs>
1: the banana boat is added again in 2024
0: a portrait of kobe on, yeah
1: <laughs> oh man i love it well we'll see what happens with these all stars um speaking of kobe yesterday was 4 years mm. since since we lost uh kobe and gianna and all of uh, the people on the helicopter so uh we just wanted to throw up some respect and uh you know it's it's still still hitting a lot of basketball fans these days and so yeah. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there. But Ryan, as always, it's great talking hoops with you, man. And I'm excited to excited to see this all-star game and, and see the rest of this season. You know, we're, we're going to be ramping up and, and uh, teams are going to, we're really going to start seeing teams uh, form into what they're going to look like for the playoffs. Um, and then also the trade deadlines only in uh, like less than two weeks, I believe. So um, hopefully we'll see uh, a little bit more, a little bit more movement um, that, that kind of shakes things up. Uh, but the next time we'll see each other is, uh, on the way to, to see, Come on. um, all-star snub, all-star starter snub, Jalen Brunson, uh, <laughs> cook against LaMelo Ball and the Hornets. So, oh, yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to, to send in some reports on the next deep two episode about that. Uh, but <clears throat> thank you guys for tuning in and listening to another episode of deep two. We will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep2Pod. That's Deep, the number two, pod. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and make sure to leave us a five-star rating so we can continue to bring the latest in the NBA and all of our mild to spicy takes. Catch you next time here at Deep2.